Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But we're always coming from a place of love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Hey John, how's it going? Hi Kevin. <laughs> How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good right now. Okay. I'm very excited. I'm titillated. <laughs> has the beer taken hold yet? Um, the beer, no, has not taken hold. This is that um that Terrapin Los Bravos. Ah. I picked it because it has a skull on it for obvious reasons that we'll get into as we discuss this podcast. <laughs> Yes. Um, I'm also delighted to announce that we have a special guest on this episode, my good friend Kyle. Hey, guys. How's hey it going? Kyle. Welcome. This, this guy is a movie buff. Uh, well, maybe. He's, he's got credentials. <laughs> maybe. He, he, he's been talking you up. He sometimes, he sometimes is compensated for reviewing movies. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Kyle Pinion. I'm, I'm an Atlanta area film critic, a voting member of the Critics' Choice Association and the vice president of the Southeastern Film Critics Association. He's, he's the most well-qualified uh, person that's ever spoken I'm on this podcast. I'm about to say, yeah, you're the only person that should be doing this show. <laughs> John and I are going to leave now. We'll just be quiet. You uh, just talk. We'll uh, interject here and there. Also, shout out to... Um, our friends at the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. Who, What's up, guys? Who picked us up and wanted us to appear as a part of their show. Uh, we may be stepping on some toes with this series on a Dolph Lundgren movie. We can call it a multidisciplinary collaboration. <laughs> We're going to give it the six degrees treatment. Um, and, and welcome to everyone who just listens to us the good old-fashioned uh, six degrees of Schwarzenegger way. So if you're listening to us there, check out the podcast network. And if you're listening to us on the podcast network, we got a lot of old uh, goodies in our back catalog that you can find by searching Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger wherever you find your podcasts. Um, what are we here to talk about today, fellas? Well, it's a movie that's near and dear to my heart, like so many of these, <laughs> and it is 1987's Masters of the Universe. Yes. <laughs> right now, I'm just hearing I'm hearing Bill Conti's epic theme in my head. Is it epic though? Yeah, you liked it. I mean, okay. it's completely ripped off from the Superman theme from John Williams. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> as much of this movie is ripped off shamelessly. I think um, I never saw this movie until recently, so it's an, it's new to me. But I did. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, you texted me and you're like, it's eminently watchable. Oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so watchable, it's so watchable. Um, there's not a lot of big names attached to this. And when Dolph Lundgren is like the the cloutiest person attached, you got like a deep cut of a movie. Yeah, there's no mega stars. There are people that have had amazing careers like 
Franklin Jello and others that we'll get yes. into. But it's like there's no there's yeah. Sure. Uh, guys, you're James Tolkien. James Tolkien, <laughs> the, the '80s cr- cranky standby guy. He's, I mean, he, yeah, he's my favorite thing in the movie. Oh, is sure. he really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's he's incredible. We'll have to keep a tally going of how many times he racks that shotgun. Yeah, because he does it every single time. And after you've racked it once, you'd just be ejecting unspent shells with subsequent racks. <laughs> Correct. And, and no one knows where he got extra ammunition. Oh, he's loaded up, man. Yeah, I guess so. It's full of uh, his pimp-ass coat. Pockets. As we do, we'll, we'll quickly run through the the dudes and ladies uh, associated with the film. Uh, directed by Gary Goddard. This is basically it for him. The only other thing that I knew, and I don't know if you guys ever saw it, was his short-lived Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future series. I had the never toys. heard that. Yeah, the toys. I did too. I did as well. <laughs> you pointed them at the TV, and if they shot you, your guy would come flying out of the plane. That's amazing. It was badass. That's like some space age shit. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty interesting looking show. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that show, and I don't mean to get into a tangent, but like <laughs> the, the head writer on that do. show was is J. Michael Straczynski, who would go on to create Babylon 5. Okay. Uh, which, you know, a cult classic, cult classic from the 90s. So, yeah, there was a lot of talent attached to that show. Gary Goddard, uh, he was one of those producer types mm-hmm. that has, like, created a, created a lot of things, but never was behind the camera much. So, yeah, Masters of the Universe was, like, his one shot at that. And, he uh, wrote oh. and directed a lot of the short films that were part of theme park rides. Yeah, I saw yeah. that, too. Did you see that? Yeah. Like, the, I think the Terminator 2 and some other stuff. He also directed the little Finding Nemo ripoff that you can watch at the Atlanta Aquarium. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> yes. Um, but apparently the director saw his, uh, he directed the Conan stunt spectacular at Universal <laughs> Studios, and that's where the good folks at Canon found him. And we're like, this is our guy. They're like, that's my favorite ride. Get him. We need him. Can we? Do you think we could get him? Uh, written by David O'Dell, who wrote, wrote the, yeah, Dark Crystal, Killer, Supergirl. He wrote, and a bunch of other Jim Henson stuff. Yeah, a lot of like Muppet stuff shit. on the Muppets, Muppet specials, and which stuff. is awesome. Uh, co-writing credits for a guy named Stephen Tolkien and a uh, and Gary Goddard, the director. Yep. Produced by Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus. The dream team. Yes. You know these My two. Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> if you you know their work, the guys behind Canon Films uh, just cranked out amazing 80s action stuff. Yeah, in, in collaboration with Ed Pressman and his company, who had bought the rights to the movie before the cartoon had even aired. Really? Yes. So that's why it has no bearing, or like no resemblance yeah. well, to, this, Mattel, to the cartoon. Mattel apparently gave permission for what like action figure characters could be used, but that's also why you there aren't many in, okay. in the movie that and a lot of original over. characters, yeah, like Beast Beast Man, He Man, Tila, Man at Arms, Skeletor, and Sorceress. I think were the, yep. and then but then there's Karg. countless countless others that are left out. Yeah, uh, music by Bill Conti, who yeah, he might have the most like story of a career of anyone on this film this movie was edited by ann coates yes lawrence of arabia yeah and that's a fucking elephant man like i mean so she had a an amazing career Uh, editing is such a weird thing it's like being a cinematographer you know what you can go from a a prestige movie to just a paycheck movie oh sure um you know that guy lee smith who uh, edits all those christopher nolan movies you know he did 1917 Uh pretty recently won an oscar for amazing oh yeah incredible incredible work uh you know in the editing room but then you know he'll edit 
junk, you know, in between, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Stuart Baird, another you know famous editor, same thing. It's, it, you bounce them around. We had something, there was some, I can't remember now, so it'll chop out. I'm going to, I'm going to abort right now because we're under a time crunch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but Bill Conti, back to Bill Conti, Rocky, the yeah, Rocky sure. themes were his, the Karate Kid, close to my heart, <laughs> amazing music in the Karate Kid movies. The American Gladiators theme song. <laughs> and this. Yeah. Which is just a, a mashup of a bunch of influences. Yeah. Inspirations. Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> it's sort of a, it is a, a mashup of Superman and Close Encounters, I feel like. just There's definitely some riffs that are straight out of Karate Kid as well um, that I noticed. Or even later Karate Kid movies, which might have come out after this. So maybe Karate Kid, he was ripping himself off. And he He's also, he he also rips off. Gustav Holst's The Planets in the score. Okay. Which we talk about all the time. I'm going like, to take your word for <laughs> it. Everyone does. It it's like, yeah, every composer that wrote action movie music ripped off Holst. Anyway, fuck it. Bye. <laughs> Who's in our cast, John? Um, Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, calling yeah. this this role the lowest point of his career as an actor. <laughs> Which, I, I bet that's not true, to be no. honest. <laughs> This was his second like big role after Rocky Four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Second or third big movie. Yeah. So, he did The Punisher, which yeah, I really but, liked. His Punisher. I, th- th- that that movie's worse than Masters. Is of it the really? Yeah. I haven't seen it yes. since I was young. Oh man, I, you know how many times I fell asleep during that movie as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta revisit it. And he did Universal Soldier, which is a is a guilty pleasure sure, of mine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he was like the only guy who was cast from the get go on this movie. Like, when they approached the director, they said, do you want to direct the He-Man movie starring Dolph Lundgren? Like, he was he was the first name attached. I could see it. It's a hard role to cast. I he mean, also had the... Very. He had some heat, probably, after Rocky IV. Yeah, yeah. But also, we haven't heard him talk does, yet, really. Does anyone, <laughs> does anyone feel like He-Man is barely in this movie? Barely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Barely it's like just the it. star that's... Ba- like, he, it's just not... He's not even in the movie. No, it's, he's a smaller part than Gwildor. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> oh, Billy Barney's basically the star of this movie. Yeah, right behind Franklin Delano. Yeah. Skeletor and Gwildor are the are the stars. Speaking it's of Frank, Franklin Delano, like a Skeletor, who he apparently loved this role, and it shows because he just he brings it. He right? went for it, just I relishing it. Um, Courtney Cox is Julie. Before this, had done the Springsteen video. Uh-huh, some that's mur- where she got some murder. Yeah. She wrote <laughs> an episode of Love Boat. <laughs> it was better things after for her. Uh, clearly, Friends, yeah. the Scream franchise, Ace Ventura. The guy that plays Kevin, that's Robert Duncan McNeil, who in his teens lived right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Shit. So okay. there you go. Um, Chelsea Field as Tila, remembered for her role as the, as the flight attendant in Commando. And I, I saw that she was Bruce Willis's wife in The Last Boy Scout. And Cal, you had an interesting tidbit about Chelsea Field. Yeah, moment. yeah. I mean, she's she's married to Quantum Leap star Scott Bakula in real life, <laughs> uh, which you know the it, universe is weird. Makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, "Yep, yep, makes sense." Yeah, I love that. Um, John Cipher in maybe the only role he ever had. I don't. I don't recognize him at all as Duncan slash Man at Arms. No, he did a lot of TV work, according to my research. Yeah. Just, he was in almost every like seventies and eighties uh, series that you could think of yeah. for one episode. Legendary Hollywood little person Billy Barty as Gwildor, who was also in things like later in life, in Willow, Legend, tons of other stuff, both physical and voice acting. Just He was doing awesome things in the 80s, like fantasy Super busy. Realm. And then, um, I don't know if you guys recognize Christina Pickles um, as the sorceress. 
She's in fucking everything now. No, I didn't recognize her. Yeah, she's, she's now. Yeah, she's still like rocking and rolling. Is she like Hollywood. playing the grandma she now? She always plays like a mom or a grandma. Yeah. Okay. The thing mm-hmm. that I saw her most recently on is uh, like a Tina Fey produced comedy show that I saw on Netflix called like Great News or something like that, and she plays like some tyrant grandma or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. and then Meg Foster is Evil Lynn with crazy eyes, and then the lovable, irascible James <laughs> Tolkien as Detective Lubick. Uh, he's like the dude. I'm Principal Strickland from yeah. the Back to the Future uh, series, Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun? You're flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out, out of Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Wait, wait, wasn't he in Problem Child? Yes, or the sequel at least. Yeah. He's in yeah. so much shit. Always playing. He was in Dick Tracy. The same character. <laughs> That's he's got one mode. <laughs> he's got one mode. Irascible That's why when you see him laugh in this movie, it just tickles me. Like when he starts giggling about how the, the cosmic key works. I yeah. it makes me happy to see him do anything other than just scream in someone's face. He's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> um and then I mean, so yeah, that's that's our cast and crew. Yeah. Um, I was excited about this movie f- from the get-go when I was a kid because of a personal, deep, and abiding love for He-Man. Oh, yeah. Um, had I had all the action figures. Battle like, Cat? All of them had Battle Cat, had, uh, <laughs> had Castle Grayskull, had Snake Tower. Um, they were rad toys, man. Yeah, they, were, they were awesome. I guess we'll talk about a movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys feel like it? I'm up for it. All right, so this thing kicks off with that Canon logo, so you know that's quality, baby. <laughs> Golden Globus production. When those two little pieces, like, clank together, you can just feel it. Yeah, <laughs> in your bowels. <laughs> this is going to be a ride. A voiceover over an image uh, of Castle Grayskull. Wait, wait, wait. The blue screen with the font off the yeah. top, like the, well, the opening like titles? yeah. That was the shittiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that was like that yeah. the shade of blue you get when there's no input on the right, TV. Yeah, right. And then it looked like like some educational home video thing or like it was <laughs> the font was just insane. Yeah, they were like, do what you can, make it look as nice as you can. <laughs> or as cheap as you can. I don't uh, know. It was yeah. With it was, whatever money you have left over, do what you can. And you so felt it was like, like <laughs> you felt like you were seeing the the version you weren't supposed to see. Like the working version. We'll fix this later. I mean, I mean, when you have a star field like that, though, I was hoping for like Superman style, like credits coming at you. Well, yeah. that's what it cr- cranks into in a minute. Yeah, right? those opening, yeah, the opening uh. title things is is gross. The, does anyone else think that the Grayskull animation sort of looks like the castle in Dark Crystal? And is there a reason for that? It does. I mean, I just thought it looked like a straight up painting. Yeah, which yeah. is, I mean, it yeah. was. It's fine, but it's like you didn't even build a model. You couldn't build a model for me. They spin it all. In you could have brought a credits. toy from the from the toy set. I don't know. And shot that. It does not look anything like. And I guess because this came, it preceded the cartoon. It doesn't look anything like Castle Grayskull. Well, the castle and the the toy version of the castle is small. I don't remember the cartoon version. Was it to scale? The one that's in it the was big. The and toy it, that you got was like the size of someone's home. It wasn't like a, what you think of as a castle. No, 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 no. I mean, you couldn't fit the whole cast. Yeah, the, was the he even had to duck to fit through the door. <laughs> exactly. So um, we get a voiceover saying, at the center of the universe, at the border between light and dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the sorceress of Grayskull has kept the universe in harmony, but the armies of darkness do not rest, and the capture of Grayskull is ever most in their minds. For, those, for to those that control Grayskull will come the power, the power to be supreme, the power to be <laughs> almighty, the power to be 
masters of the universe. And at that point, you're free to leave the yes. theater. John, you have to explain the rules to Kyle. So, so Kyle, the rule is, is that as soon as anyone says the full title of the film that you're watching, sure. you're free to go. Okay, you, you may leave. All right, <laughs> if you want. Right. That's All a right. bridge too far. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Jesus. Okay, fine. Yeah, but it does get said in most movies. We got yeah. It. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, what, uh... Our friend Spencer's like thing. He likes to keep a count when oh, he watches yeah. the movie. How many times the title how many times they say Halloween and Halloween? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's like you're happy to sit there. And this was one I'd probably be having thoughts. Yeah, even at this point of walking out. So like, and, oh, this, and this is where Kyle, you are 100 percent correct that these extended opening credits over. I mean, they are straight ripped. The music. The style that they were going yes. for is all like the colors, Superman like rip-off. the sort of rainbowish colors around the letter yeah it's just the mute yeah everything everything about it everything (laughs) sorry (laughs) i can't stop thinking about it. we have to move on okay so when we finally get to it it's prolonged yeah the opening it's like superman they thought they were making an epic for sure when they made masters of the universe so after some time (laughs) we finally get down (laughs) to it we come out of an explosion and we see prisoners being rounded up by dudes in black armors very darth vader shaped helmets and shit on a rugged desert landscape with castle grayskull off in the distance and they're like fires burning and smokes rising in the distance as well and we cut to Skeletor entering a great hall, walking towards a throne, staff in hand, and and also holding something. We don't know what it is. Um, Instantly evocative of Star Wars. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like when the Emperor enters right. a room or whatever. But the dudes were the the stormtroopers. I'll call them. Were like straight up wearing Darth Vader helmets. Yeah. The shape of it. Yeah. Which I think was inspired by Nazi helmet shape. Right. As well. Right. Right. But still. And here, you know, this is where, like, Conti ripped off the host music for the plane. It's like, da 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 And also, when the door closes, the thing on it looks like, it, no shit, looks like a Skeksis from Dark Crystal. It oh, really? It looks like one of the bad guys. So I'm just I like, what's like a, happening here? I felt like a lot of stuff was being recycled in um, this movie. There's a network of walkways over what appears to be a bottomless pit. Skeletor X. The set was amazing. It was huge. That The throne room set or the Great Hall or whatever yeah. it is. Well, it's, it's the only part that actually looks like something out of He-Man, the cartoon. Right. Okay. I mean, literally, if, if it's, the, it's the only impressive piece that they even like tried to put any sort of imagination from the cartoon and the toy, like car- comic books, into the actual right. film. Everything it, else is, is it's like an anonymous beach in Palm Springs or right. something. You know? Down in the bowels of the of the castle it was like some mc escher shit happening yeah Yeah. like these interconnected staircases and stuff like that apparently that was the biggest sound stage in hollywood or the biggest set built in hollywood in 40 years at that time it was like two sound stages that they knocked out a wall between and and insane that's what i read but did it did it register to you guys watching that the the stormtroopers are meant to all be robots no no not even when sparks fly when he-man or whoever hits them I didn't realize until after going back yeah. and doing research for this that they weren't supposed to be people. <laughs> Basically, they had a deal with Mattel that He-Man wasn't allowed to be... He wasn't allowed to kill anyone on screen. So they made everyone robots. Yeah, the amazing thing is this, the, the mark against this movie that it's, is that it was too violent for uh, yeah. like families and stuff. Is so. that what people say? Oh, yeah. When people were leaving the film, it's a big part of the reason why it wasn't like uh, a huge hit because people thought, no, He-Man is too grim. It's too oh, violent. Maybe Mattel knew what they were talking about. Maybe. Yeah. But they didn't make it clear. They, there's nothing about these the army that reads as robots. Wow. No, yeah. not at all. Skeletor asks for an update from his lieutenant, a woman, 
Evil Lynn, which is kind of awesome, um, with unnatural piercing blue eyes. And everyone, everything that I read was like, like they swore up and down that those were contacts. Like, no, those were her actual crazy blue eyes. Yeah. Um, she tells him their army has seized the city and the castle, and they almost have the Thanurian. <laughs> 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 Whatever that is. Uh, as I was watching, I was thinking, like, this is clearly a society built on the wearing of capes. Yes. <laughs> like, what is... The, did people ever wear capes in, in a real-world setting ever sure. in history? Sure. What was the upside to having a cape on? It looked cool. Okay. Like, it, it. are you saying that in some point in history, Middle Ages or something? Yeah, if you look at... Renaissance, if you look people at paintings, wearing capes. paintings of... Like kings and nobility and things, those people had like large oh, ermine cloaks that draped down to the floor. Yeah, I mean Napoleon wore cape. Okay, I mean, knights wore capes. Yeah, I mean okay. well, even as latest World War One era, they were like some of the Prussian uh, uh, lords wore capes. I feel like it served dual purpose in keeping muck off you while you were riding, if oh. wearing it correctly, and then also you drape yourself in it if it was cold. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> anyway, I'm into anyway, it. What's with the Nurian? Skeletor is like cut to the chase. Where's He Man? That's what we are all asking. The leader of the resistance. We're watching this movie. Where the fuck is He Man? Yeah, where's He Man at? Uh, Evil Lynn tells him they'll soon have him. Skeletor wants He Man kneeling at his feet. Evil Lynn says, after all this time, Grayskull is ours, and Skeletor's quick as he sits on the throne to, to point out. No. It's like, no! Mine. I dig it. For, this is the first of many just epic screams from Franklin Jello. Like this whole yes. movie is just like getting after it. His his voice acting, because you don't get to see his face, is superb. I also like how Evelyn just stared right down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> when she like just stared straight through that lens. Right. I spent most of my childhood believing Evelyn was played by Kirstie Alley. <laughs> I, 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 I can totally see that. The resemblance yes, is sort of uncanny. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's at that moment in that screen take that we get our first good look at Skeletor's face, and the, the face makeup is that prosthetic is badass. It is good. It's yeah. good, right? What well, what is he? Is he is that supposed to be bone? Yeah. Or is that supposed to be like flesh? Is he just some different type of creature? In the cartoon slash action. Well in the cartoon it's, like a it's skeleton. It's a hard skeleton. Like yeah. this thing has fucking lips. That's I mean, true. he's got lips yeah. with teeth behind it. <laughs> so I don't know. That, it just made me wonder if he's supposed to be just some like other type of alien Could species. Be, yeah. we, hear, we hear a disembodied voice say, the power of Grayskull is not yet passed to you. That's the sorceress who Skeletor then taunts. She <laughs> says, you haven't won as long as He-Man's alive. Then he zaps her with some sort of ray shield that she's behind that sort of looks like something from Star Wars and tells Evil Lynn, turn on the holosphere, or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> he's winning points for me already. Yeah. Skeletor is killing that. I love a good villain, and like he's just taunting this the sorceress and everything. I'm digging all of it. So holosphere turns on, which we surmise is like some form of mass communication because a hologram of Skeletor pops out into the open in Eternia, sort of like multi-directional, and Skeletor starts to deliver this message to the people of Eternia telling them, hey, the war is over, Sorceress is my prisoner, her power is now joined to mine, and that my first decree is that everyone better fall in line or else. Um, he, we see He-Man, finally, <laughs> watching Skeletor from the side of a mountain or something. What's he wearing? <clears throat> He's wearing cape. He's wearing nearly nothing. <laughs> also, like, that's, that's at least true to the action figure. An incredible mullet. Yeah. Also. Yeah. It's braggable. We're, yeah, it's just 
That was the era, man. A cape and a mullet is a, is a strong look for 1987. Yeah, he, he's wearing some sort of like cross harness up top with some like shoulder pads or something. Just briefs. Which, yeah, just and, briefs. and some briefs, which is which is like wrestling really, tights, wrestling tights, yeah. really true to what He-Man wore in the cartoon true. and in the action figure. Um, so we then cut to some footage of prisoners being marched by stormtroopers through this valley. It's more like matte paintings galore. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, including some soldiers carrying something or someone in a net. Um, <laughs> He-Man's sort of been taking all this in and then just ambushes a group of bad guys. Um, we get close-ups of muscles. It was muscle porn. Lots of grunting. Ooh! <laughs> 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 Dolph Lundgren's, his facial expression never changes. Uh, He's just like a stone-faced mask. He, or, he, or he looks sort of like he gets a Stallone-style grimace. He's just like, barrel, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's well, he, learned, he learned under Stallone. He tutored this under is, Stallone on Rocky also, We get our first glimpse of He-Man's weird, unique fighting style, <laughs> which is he's able to deflect blaster bolts with the sword, the sword of Grayskull. Yeah. The sword that... For, even for him, he needs two hands to operate. Um, and he also, he'll like grab a blaster, but you get the feeling that everything is like made to scale because it all, he's having a hard time maneuvering with everything. He's not comfortable holding the giant long blaster. He's not comfortable holding the sword in one hand. And He-Man, correct me if I'm wrong, according to the lore that we have available, is supposed to be super strong. Right, right. I mean, the sword is where he derives his power from. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. But but it, he still has power at that point. He's basically Thor. Yeah, you know? exactly. It, it, okay. it, the sword of Grayskull is like Mjolnir. So okay. that's a great comparison. I um, this whole the world is a weird combination, and this scene points out of like futuristic technology plus barbarian shit. Right. Like what? But what? The sword is useless for him at this moment. But, but the, and it's so he have two like, blasters. You point out that like he's supposed to derive, or at least his power to Grayskull is somehow like the sword is a conduit, you know, in okay. some way. But the sword figures barely at all, almost like he made himself in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like they. Yes, that that's. I kept thinking like, when's the sword going to be important? And the answer is never. Yeah, not, um, not at all. Was that a hallmark of the cartoon? Like the the tech, they had tanks and stuff, but then also swords. Yeah, there were characters right? that used a lot of tech. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was there were like robot characters. I mean, there there, there were there were snake people. I mean, there were all kinds of like yeah. mixture Star, of stuff. I felt like in Star Wars, it made more sense. Like the they at least make mention of that a lightsaber is like an antiquated right an, an, an antique style of weapon to be using for a more civilized but you could also deflect a blaster shot back at the person right and well I mean Kevin so it's I mean, as good as a blaster the whole sort concept of. is just advertisement for new toys so every yes. time they had a new <laughs> exactly. toy it was like well this is this is the guy who has three heads so and they were gonna call him triple header or whatever that, whatever his name was I don't even remember but yeah I mean so they, they just made it work somehow and yeah. it was combined oh all these different I things. loved it too yeah I was yeah. here for it so he-man somehow makes it through these guys unscathed suddenly Tila and Duncan the man at arms show up as the battle's winding down and everyone's super excited to see each other alive see they're rocking the just generic sci-fi costume yeah, right yeah yeah um they tell him that the battle at Grayskull was a massacre that Skeletor's army appeared out of nowhere and just wiped everyone out then they hear someone crying for help, and it's coming from whatever was tangled up in that net from before. <laughs> Tila was ready to kill immediately. Yeah. Which is a theme throughout the movie. She's like, 
ready to take action at any point. Yes. Just murder. Um, so they free the small, hairy, troll-looking thing from the net, ask who he is, and that's Gwildor. That's Billy Barty of Thenor. <laughs> Locksmith and inventor. The Thenorian, who was uh, mentioned earlier by Evelyn, and he's being hunted by Skeletor's voice, forces. They want to know why. And he tells them, I'd better show you. Follow me. <laughs> what, what were you guys' feelings about Gwildor? I mean, when I was a kid... And I, I mentioned it to you, this to you guys after, before the podcast, but this is the first movie I ever saw, right? And That's like, amazing. First movie in the theater. <laughs> oh, shit. I had so a whole much. memory of it. I brought, the, I brought some of the toys with me. I had, I had He-Man and I had Faker, who was the blue one with the orange hair. Yeah. And like the recording stuff on him. It was just like a sticker you could take off. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was so excited about this movie. And when Gwildor showed up, my first thought was, where the fuck is Orko? Exactly. And, that was the exact thought that I had. Yeah. I was listening yeah, to director commentary this morning, and he said basically they didn't have the money to do a creature that was flying every time sure. you saw him, which I guess makes sense, but it's also sad. I feel like for this movie, we don't really don't deserve any better than Gildor. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, Orko is not like high art, man. You could have no. just had a guy with a big long coat and then a hat and a, and a scarf around his face. He's I mean, had a more iconic look. Orko did. Yeah, definitely. Gwildor looks like something from Jim Henson's Creature Shop, just like some stock creature that they had he's laying the little, around. He's the little comic relief troll that we deserve. He sort of looks, he's a cross between a troll and, um, Snarf! Oh, from, from Thundercats with the ears and stuff that, like, sort of poke up in the air. Hell yes. Um, anyway, Gwildor leads them back to his home slash workshop. Um, There's a lo- weird line when they get there, right, about, I remember when you didn't have to lock your doors. Those yeah. days will come back. <laughs> yeah. It's like some right-wing Reagan shit. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, he, he gets them all inside, locks the place down hard once they're inside. <laughs> they also have a little chain lock at the end, like, the, like that was a nice which touch. is a comic touch, yeah, I think, yeah. right? The place is like a cave filled with all sorts of gadgets. Um, Wildor says that Skeletor wants him because of one of his inventions, which he's just happened to got like laying. I just keep it on the floor here in the open. <laughs> he picks up this little device from off screen, and it's a prototype that Skeletor doesn't know about, and he calls it the Cosmic Key. He hits the play button, <laughs> and, and the thing cranks up, and he starts explaining that it creates tones uh, that can open a portal to anywhere. I thought it was a pretty cool MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. The cosmic key. It looks interesting. It, it had a great design, right? It, it does. And, I, you know, I've remembered it all these years. But the thing that sticks with me the most is that it's clearly playing a Tears for Fear song. Oh, shit. The one. Yes. Um, That's badass, dude. In the spirit of nothing about this movie seeming original, I felt like his little lab or whatever it is felt like an amalgamation of, of like, Doc Brown's lab. Plus Yoda's hut, yeah, in Dagobah. <laughs> totally. Plus Miracle Max, yeah, Princess Bride. Plus um, that wizard in uh, Neverending Story, yeah, the dude who was like overseeing the oracles or whatever. It was just like this place was nuts, man. Yeah, I I love Billy Barty's performance though. Like he he was another dude who was he just is awesome going for it, man. And like Langella. Um. Yeah. So He Man immediately guesses correctly. That's how Skeletor got his army into the city and into the castle for the attack. Builder's like, yep, that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> Tila calls him a little worm. Tila's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> she's um, aggressive. She had that, and she was reminding me of um, of Princess Leia yeah. a little bit, just like oh, a yeah. little aggression. But in like a Tron outfit. Yeah. yeah, it totally looks like a Tron outfit. Yeah, good call. 
Um, He-Man, sweet guy, defends Gwildor, saying that there's no way he could have known Skeletor's intentions. Um, and Gwildor says that Thanurians are naturally <laughs> peaceful and trusting people. And he says that a woman came to see him, saying she'd heard about his fame as a locksmith and was interested in his work. She was beautiful. How was I to know she came from Snake Mountain? You know, famous locksmiths get all the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> what? They, oh, yeah. They're dude, peaceful got, and trusting people. He got honeypotted. <laughs> like By the little horny Thanorian. I know. Did he? Do you think? Did they like? Did they fuck? <laughs> Him and Evelyn? I don't know. I don't know what Thanorian's sex organs are like, or if Evelyn's <laughs> even. Well, yeah, Evelyn is into sex, or at least into torture. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if she appeared as herself or as like another. I wonder that too. Yeah, did she oh, appear the Norian, in, in, in hot Thanorian? That would be awesome. <laughs> hot Thanorians. It sounds like a show or a catalog or a magazine. Anyway, Goldor says she tricked him and stole the key. He Man asks if they can use the prototype to transport to Grayskull to rescue the sorceress. Uh, Goldor says yes, but if you turn it on, Skeletor is going to know where you are. Which hey, he he literally just had. That's it important on. to know throughout the film, though, is that this thing's like a tracking device, right. like a homing just, device. Almost, he just had it turned on. He was just he was true. He was just fucking Did he around forget? With it. <laughs> like he just had it turned on. Anyway, this is the first of many times that the, the mechanics and and the rules of the cosmic key don't make sense. Okay. He's like, no, 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 don't turn it on. Like I had just done. Um, anyway, but just then an alarm starts going off and we see outside some of Skeletor's stormtroopers are there with a weird looking creature called Karg in the yes. lead. He's not a cartoon character, not an action figure. Um, There's a weird needless little inshot of them trampling his garden it, <laughs> or whatever have, it was they, he had. They have no respect <laughs> for the natural world, I guess. It's like just destroying geodes. <laughs> destroying Gwildor's rock garden. Um, Gwildor leads the good guys to a secret way out to the tunnels. <laughs> underneath, This goes out to the tunnels underneath Grayskull. He says, Why yeah, does Gwildor have a system of caves that lead to Grayskull? I just, I don't think he built the caves, right? No. They just existed? They built them on top of caves? I don't, I don't know. I don't, but why would not the sorceress or <laughs> He-Man or whomever have shut that shit down? They do just pop up in the throne room shortly. Sure. Literally. Without having used the key. Oh, no, 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 no. I got a cave that goes straight. Why do you have, why do you have a cave that goes to the throne room? <laughs> no one suspects anyway, the Norian. They all, <laughs> they all flee. Gwildor grabbing the key before skedaddling, saying he doesn't like adventures. The director said that was a Lord of the Rings homage. Is that something that someone says in Lord of the Rings or oh, in, uh, in The yes. Hobbit? Uh, yeah. Bilbo. One of the yeah. Bilbo's like, I hate adventures or something yeah. like this. Okay. Um, that also is just a line that's perfect for trailers, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, the bad guys break in and Karg, with his epic mullet, says, Find the key! Tear this <laughs> ring apart! <laughs> Great makeup on him, though. His look is crazy. I dig him. I, he, he looks like a hair metal guy gone wrong <laughs> though you know especially with that that long flowing mane he, yeah. he looks like a character from, from the last movie we did uh, the feral <laughs> kid from road <laughs> warrior he had the hairdo uh yeah so meanwhile he-man and the others have taken the tunnels directly into the throne room at grayskull <laughs> the joint's completely empty he-man points out like, he's like, no, Skeletor is here. I this, know he's waiting for us. This feels like a trap. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> then they're um, like, oh, shit, there's the sorceress. Let's go. <laughs> this is also the first of many times while they're sneaking around that I realized, like, it looks like Duncan 
doesn't know how to like carry a weapon. He doesn't know how to like operate a gun. Anyway, that's probably true. I mean, they, I don't think they went into all that weapons training. Maybe not in this era. Um, then they yeah they see the sorceress and they run up to her. We're here to rescue you. It sounds it's sort of like a Stallone thing going. I'm sorry about that. Um, but she says she's trapped in an energy field and that only Skeletor can dissolve it, and they should leave because they're in great danger. Yeah, no shit. Um, they don't want to leave without her, and they put Gwildor to work using the cosmic key to open up a door on the other side of this very With, small... the phone booth size? I feel like it would, little... that would kill the sorceress, but whatever. <laughs> just, um, oh, she could be, like, cut in half. It, possibly, right? Yeah, based on what we see later on, but again, oh. the rules, we don't know what the rules are. Um, the sorcerer says Skeletor is draining her power... But I can withstand him until moonrise, when the great eye opens on the universe. It's just, it's just mythos on top of mythos, right? and it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It that was sounds a, cool, though, right? Sure. It, it sounds was, very cool. That was like, a very oh. specific time that she knew how long she could withstand <laughs> his spell. Uh, I like that spell. they're a, a lunar society when it comes to their their mythology or their... Moonrise, yeah. yeah. to their religion. Which is then, apparently is when the moon reaches apex is moonrise, or is it when, yeah. when the moon appears on the horizon? Sorcerers could tell us. I didn't study my astronomy. <laughs> I'm going to say apex because that's clearly they what mean, happens later. They mention it I later. Think it is the apex. Yeah. Okay. I think it is. Um, just then, wouldn't you know, Skeletor's army begins to just trot up in that great hall. He man's like, everyone hide. Why? <laughs> I'm going to stand here in the open. You guys hide. Yeah. Skeletor enters, sizes up the situation, says, He's been waiting so very long for this moment. <laughs> He-Man demands Skeletor let the sorceress go. Skeletor's like, nah. <laughs> Skeletor, Skeletor says that her power... This is the third time someone says, her powers are transferring to me, and when the moon reaches its zenith, okay. the great eye will open, and all the powers of Grayskull will go to him, and the sorceress will die. You gotta hammer it in for these, like, seven-year-olds yeah, right exactly. there watching it. For real, though. That's what it is. So, wait, all the power of Grayskull is concentrated within the sorceress and it's, not the sword? It's very confusing. Yeah. This, I, I feel like the sword the sword is a non-sequitur at this point. It is it is merely a weapon that, it's a the, guardian, that the guardian of Grayskull uses. Hey, Turk. Come here, Turk. Give. Give me that. Oh, what a good boy. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> he wants to be in the podcast, too. Um, yeah, the sword's like, it doesn't matter. Right. It's it a, seems like what matters is the castles and the the vortex of the universe. Uh -huh. And I guess maybe this is some, I don't know, particularly important day or that, something. That's a, that's a great point, too. It's like, why? Moonrise on this particular day, oh, like the eye opens. I don't think it opens every night, does it? What I don't understand is he's already beaten he-Man, yeah. and with his, and he has his all-powerful army. What else does he need to do? <laughs> yeah, well, and later on, he gets all those powers he's talking about, and he still gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk. So we'll, we're gonna talk at length about all of that because <laughs> none of this makes sense. It's like, yeah, I can't. I don't understand the relationship, how the power of the universe works between the the castle, the sorceress, and the sword. The sword maybe. Did you notice Duncan is just straight rolling his eyes during the yeah. speech? <laughs> you he's heard enough. In her life, and he's like, I dare anything. I am Skeletor. <laughs> he's like, killing it. Yeah. Though Langell is killing yeah, it. Yeah, he tells them to throw down their weapons and pledge loyalty. He-Man says, it's not the sorceress you want, it's me. It's always been about us. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> and we do get, like, Skeletor is obsessed, straight obsessed with He-Man. Yes. Like, 100%. There's a lot of 
obsession in this movie. Yeah. I feel like I want to talk about more as we go. It's like over the top. Like a truck. Like, like a truck. So Evelyn at that point notices Gwildor back there fiddling with the prototype. It's the locksmith. The little worm has another key. That's the second time in like five minutes he's been called a worm. By two different <laughs> By two women. different characters. Yeah. So Skeletor gives the order, kill them! And all <laughs> hell breaks loose. Everyone starts shooting. Duncan tells Gwildor to use the key to get them out of there. He-Man draws his completely useless sword. I'm going to deflect some blaster bolts. <laughs> Um, Gwildor warns them, I'm not sure where we're going. So he's just like <laughs> matching buttons on the thing, like yes. just pressing all the buttons he can. Um, He-Man's reluctant to leave the sorceress, um, but she says she still has until moonrise and y'all have to go. Um, he's like, I, I will leave her. It's like, you, it's like, why? You're doubling down on not leaving. He you is doing go. a Stallone impression now that yeah. that's like his version of the, the his accent is just Stallone. Yeah. I, I, one, I definitely think that's what it is. Okay. So uh, we see Teelan, a portal opens. Teelan Duncan dive through. One of the stormtroopers shoots the key out of Gwildor's hand. He-Man scoops up Gwildor and dives into the portal. Skeletor shouting for his guys to get the key, but then out of the portal comes a grappling hook, which <laughs> latches onto the key and jerks it into the portal as it closes. Dude, you know I love a grappling hook. Kyle probably doesn't know, but anytime there's a grappling hook in a movie, it just like gets it catches my imagination. Oh yeah, like yes, fucking grappling hooks, <laughs> dude. Yeah, Skeletor old starts, school. Yeah, he's like demanding like track them down, um, bring the prototype to me. Evil N points out that Gwildor was just over there mashing buttons, mashing really buttons. <laughs> and that there's no way to tell where they went. But Skeletor's like, yeah, all right, well, whenever they try to use it again, you know, track them, and he says. He gives some Ricky Bobby logic here. If He-Man lives and possesses the key, I must possess all or I possess nothing. If you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last, baby. So, Kudos to Langella, because he's doing the impossible yeah. here. Like, with the material he's got, he's delivering a strong performance. It, yeah, he's it's amazing. So then we get, like, somewhere in a mountainous region. There's some blue <laughs> lightning, which I love. Blue <laughs> lightning in the sky. A portal opens. And the gang, they come flying out hot. They're blue like, lightning is your version of a grappling hook. Like, yeah, you just, totally. Anytime there's a movie with the blue <laughs> lightning effect. I'm like, yeah, that's badass. <laughs> so everyone comes out um, unscathed, except for poor Gwildor, who's, like, stuck face down in a pond. <laughs> He-Man saves him from drowning. Um, Duncan and Tila laugh at Gwildor's near death. They which, love that which shit. That because we just gotten, we just did uh, Road Warrior. It reminded me of the moment when the Toady gets his fingers cut off from like <laughs> trying to catch the boomerang, and Everyone all just, humongous men have a good laugh at his expense. Well, that's what I would say to people like during pandemic was like, man, seeing like a seeing someone running naked down the street that's like the closest thing we can get to a movie or something right, right. in these <laughs> right. times. You know, that's like the closest we can get to a show. I know. So, Gwildor blows some water out of his clogged gill slits mm-hmm. um, and apologizes profusely. The, the, the vibe of this movie is like very uh, Power Rangers. Oh, sure. Oh, that's a that, great, that Saban like style of. Yeah. I know. I had just seen Psycho Goreman, uh, which is like this Power Rangers parody that a lot of people are like kind of vibing on that just came out. So, it was especially in my It's mind. newly made? It, yeah, it just came out like Ooh, this year. Oh, I need year. to check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. What's it called? Psycho Goreman. Psycho Gorman. Okay, listeners, check it out. <laughs> Put it on also, my putting it on my list now. Where can we watch it? As you said, YouTube. Yeah, uh, anywhere straight. It's not on a platform. It was on Shutter at last, I think. Okay, rad. Um, so Gil slits, right? That's what he said. <laughs> and then Gwildor, uh, they all tell Gwildor, "Hey, man, we got to get back to Eternia right now." 
Gwildor says, I have no idea where in the universe we are <laughs> we could because be I was rushing to open a portal, you assholes. Tila. Tila wants to fuck him up immediately. She, wants she to just like goes at him. <laughs> um, He-Man says to calm your shit and then we're all in this together. Uh, Duncan then asks how we're going to get home if we don't even know where we are. And Gwildor says that the key stores the coordinates from home. Or, yeah, for home, for Eternia. If you're following along, you write it all down and send it to us so that we understand. Um, and at that moment, Gwildor notices that his grapple gun that was attached to the key is now no longer attached to the key and that the key is gone. It's somewhere some in wherever they are. He's lucky they can drop it within the wormhole, I guess. Right? Then I don't know what would happen. dimension altogether, yeah. Maybe where a movie is, is, is better. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel like the Gwildor effects just vary wildly from scene to scene. Like, in this one, he's got articulating ears. Sure. The gill yeah. slits-like gag was kind of cool. Um, and then in later scenes, it's just like he's motionless. Yeah, most, of, like most a, of the rest of the time, his mouth doesn't even move when he talks. Yeah. It's but, just sort of in a vague smile. I think this was one of the early scenes in the film where I think they were paying more attention to that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they hear something rustling in the brush. Duncan takes out a, vi- a device that makes a straight cartoon noise. He goes, <laughs> and then says it's getting a reading on a big alien life form. Which the device was in no way indicating that anything was moving towards them. There was one little dot on the thing and it was moving away from them or away from what should have been them. But <laughs> you whatever. don't know how that thing works. That's you don't true. know how that Eternian tech works. <laughs> Accurate. Um, Tila wants to kill whatever it is. Just come out. See, that's She's her head. <laughs> yes. But He-Man stops her from blasting away, and a cow steps out. Is, it, is that supposed to make us instantly think Earth? Yeah. This yeah. could only be Earth? Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, where? I mean, it, it, the actual sort of, like, topography uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, much like much of the, re- much of the rest of the right. thing. It's convenient that these English-speaking... Eternians. That's, that's another <laughs> gripe that I have. an English-speaking part of the world. That's another not in the middle of the ocean. Gripe I have with this movie is that like, do Eternians speak English? Do they read the Phoenician alphabet? <laughs> like, is that the way this works? It's convenient as hell. Um, so the cow moves. The audience laughed. I'm sure. I don't remember. Big laugh line yeah. for the cow. Yeah, and Gwildor <laughs> tries to strike up a conversation. Maybe it's intelligent. Um, He-Man lays out the plan. Oh, wait, it's eight point. It's point eight four chromons till moonrise. Everyone, I feel like that's why, a little over a half of a day. Why right? are they bothering with chromon? But they haven't told us what a chromon is. That means nothing to us, right? No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just like hand waving away their own sort of metric system. Yeah, Eternia has a metric system, but they don't have you know. They still fight with swords and shit. So. They do speak English. They speak English, right. but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, He-Man lays out the plan. Find the key, transport back into the castle, save the universe. They synchronize their personal locators and split up to go looking for the key. We also get the first statement of the line, good journey, which I have mm. loved ever since I first saw this nice. movie. Love that. I want to know, how is the key not right there where they all popped out of the hole, where they all popped through the portal? They were going how is it somewhere fast? else? <laughs> we don't know. Right? I mean, they literally landed right outside where the hole had opened, so it just made me, like, how did the key wind up elsewhere? Well, that's what I'm saying, is that, like, it's not impossible to believe that if they came out of there going as fast as they appeared to in the movie, that the key could be several hundred yards away. Or something but away. also, they would all be dead, except right. for ostensibly He-Man. Yeah. 
But anyway, we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to save all that shit for another episode because we're we're fresh out of time. <laughs> I'm fresh out of patience for this movie, but I'll be back next week. Uh, good journey, everyone. Kyle, wait, hold on. While we got Kyle here, is there anything anything you wanted to plug? Your website, your Twitter, yeah, your, uh, hit us, yeah, tell man. us, bro. Uh, weekly reviews of all the new release films uh, as they come out, whenever they come out, over at ScreenRex.com. That's where you can find them. Spell it. C-R-E-E-N-R-E-X.com. Uh, no, like the dinosaur. Yeah, love like it. T-Rex, but with a screen in front of it. I love it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, uh, and we'll be back. Right.